0: jim you ready <coughs>
1: I'm, I'm ready
0: you got, you got your voice cleared
1: <laughs> i'm ready baby I'm, I, have primed, I have primed the pump let's
0: do this <laughs> all right well welcome everybody back to a, another entertaining episode of the doghouse podcast i'm adam campbell welcome in salt on the earth my friend jimmy rogers
1: Hey guys, welcome back. Hope everybody's been enjoying what we're doing. Glad y'all are here. Hopefully we're having a good time today. It's a beautiful spring day here in Kentucky, so hope everybody's in a good mood and enjoy listening to this.
0: Yeah, what I mean, what a beautiful day here in Alabama too, man. It's been a breeze. It's been about 75 degrees and it's just been absolutely perfect out there.
1: It's what I call dog training weather. <laughs>
0: this is dog training weather and spring training so speaking of spring training, Jim, how's everything at the kennel uh, up at your place right now? Let's kind of give everybody an update on where we're at this spring. Um, no guests today, just be you and I. We have uh, some questions that have been sent in via Instagram, and uh, we'll answer some of those. Kind of give everybody an update on where we're at this spring.
1: Yes, sir. No, we're uh, We're off and going. Uh, most of my dogs are back. I got a couple of dogs from up north that still headed down this way uh master dogs in. we're running we're doing yard work every day getting our setups in uh, put in i got a couple of dogs i think i got three running down at central kentucky in a couple of weeks uh had four had a uh, my personal dog come into heat and uh getting ready to put into of course by the time y'all hear this hopefully we will be in the red hills hmm. so and i've got three four be a rat race there Whew, boy you better be quick that's all i can say Mm-hmm. You better be quick on that. When I got a, I got some HRC coming up. I haven't started on the bucket yet. I've been stretching my dogs out, getting everybody just back in the groove. You know how we do? Just get them going.
0: Yeah. Going uh-huh.
1: All white coat. I ain't throwing anything that had a white coat on yet. <clears> Everything's <throat> had a white coat on up to this point. Just just get them looking out there, marking. Uh I'd say next week we'll start throwing some hidden gun stuff and and start really tightening down bucket
0: what about you adam where where y'all at man we are we got a um we got a good good bunch of dogs in right now i don't have any of my older dogs in training um i've got two master hunters on my truck that are training right now and everybody else is qualified and so they're kind of at home kind of waiting on that pre-national deal to get started so i've got a kennel full of young dogs and man if you really want to feel like a crappy dog trainer you train a bunch of dang young dogs every day and you know it's nothing's rarely ever really clean and you just walk away from it thinking man do I really know much about training dogs there's days you're just like wow but man they I'm really seeing a ton of progress from from the first of February to now um on my I have a so let's say I have a group that is ready to run master. I got I got a, my first hunt test coming up in um, fall line at Georgia over with um, uh, Pierce and them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pierce Glitch and them over at um, yep. fall line. So I got four in there, there. I got uh, old Blue. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: He yep. needs a couple to qualify. I got Yeti. She needs a couple to qualify. Then I got Rowdy and Coy entered. They're just two youngsters, two, two two-year-olds that are, trying to get their master title and then i have a a group of three or four or five there on the cusp of moving into that ready to run master and man those guys have really really progressed this spring already i'm just tickled pink with them man yeah and well, then it, it, and then you come in with that bunch just on the pattern blinds and the t that that are just young you know they're just boneheads a lot of days yeah. but, but you can see a lot of promise and a lot of good prospects in that group
1: to yeah me. Well, I- I'm running a lot of like at central Kentucky. I have a uh, uh, bail, which passed the grand last fall. Master Hunter, uh, roughly four years old, uh, pretty solid little young dog, you know, still pretty young. And then I've got uh, two, uh, two year olds. just turned two a couple weeks ago, uh, but they got master passes and run some Derby and stuff. So they're pretty solid. And then <clears throat> that crew gets me into what I call my COVID crew. You know, a year ago, we were getting ready for nothing. You know, I spent every day getting ready for season, and then I got ready for season, nowhere to go, and then I got ready for finished with nowhere to go. And then by the time we were running finished, they were pretty solid little dogs, you know, just because we were training every day. You know, Monday through Friday, we were hitting them hard, and then, you know, nowhere to go. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm in my COVID crew right now. That's the reason I've got <laughs> Once, once everybody gets here and healthy and ready to go, i got 15, 16 master dogs, you know. Uh, the way we qualify, I know you got some done, which y'all run later, further south. Uh, I've got passes on everybody. Got a few dogs that, that have a couple passes from the way they qualified They qualified last year. So, I've got a lot of running to do between now and then July, which I do most of my AKC running, you know, May, June, July. So, hopefully I get them qualified and ready to go to Idaho.
0: Right. I, I yes. think I hope we have a good crew going to Idaho. I know I've got one of my dogs that's already qualified. She's for sale, so if she sells, she won't be there, you know. She's one of my one of my what I call my superstars. And mm-hmm. really one of those deals I hate to see her go, but you know, I understand, it's part of it. And and then yeah. So I'm hoping I'll have ten or twelve. It's gonna take it it's gonna take that many to make that trip worth it though.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, we, we've been talking about that a bunch and kind of fill everybody in. You know, you and myself and Tyler Patterson are looking at, you know, going out together or as a team. Uh, of course, Scott Greer is part of that team. Uh, um, you know, there would be a few others involved in that. But uh, that's a big trip, man. People people don't understand when you start talking about, say, you know, us three, just you, you, Tyler, and myself, taking, you know, 35, 40, 45 dogs on the road and going from kentucky alabama mississippi and going to the state of idaho that's an event i mean you got to plan for that you got to have everything kind of in order uh that, that's we can do a whole podcast on that I, we don't have to get off into that but that's a big deal and that's something I'm, I'm excited i've never been to the state of idaho looking forward to going like i told somebody i could point it out on the Somebody asked me where it was i said idaho they said well, what town i said the only town i know is boise <laughs> I said I don't know where it is in relation to that <laughs> Couldn't even you know. So you know It is uh, it is what it is as far as that trip But I, I'm excited about it I'm right. looking forward to, to going to Idaho with you guys
0: Yeah and I mean well, Basically what we'll do You and Tyler and I Two vehicles yep. 40 hours across the country You know and mm-hmm. Jimmy I have a lot of A lot of friends and, and a lot of people That I say are my best buddies But you know you and Tyler on that that up there with that brotherly love type deal, you know, it's a it's another level of best buddy. And I, I it had to be one of those guys to go across the country with, you know.
1: <laughs> People just don't understand when you leave leaving that new dog and you ride with another guy. Tyler and I have traveled together more than you and I have. You and I done the national in St. Louis back in seventeen, I believe it was. Uh Tyler and I and you and I, I say we'd done South Carolina together. Yeah. Uh me and Tyler have been to, of course we do the grand and, and he and I have traveled together, you know, to Texas a few times, uh Louisiana. We've made a lot of uh, Iowa, we've made a lot of trips together. So it, it takes somebody special, man. It, just a few guys in the world, and not that I don't dislike anybody at all. I like it. There's a ton of friends in the in the game. But when you get on the road with somebody and, and your airing schedules and your training schedules and what you want to do and all that stuff it's hard i mean that's a tough uh that's a that's one of the things a lot of people don't understand about what we do is you know that's a big event to take off and yeah the way it's looking you know tyler and i was going to be in st louis running and probably meet you there or have you come to there and then leave from st louis and go on to idaho uh for the national running from the grand in st louis on to Idaho, so that that's going to be an event. You yeah.
0: know, I get the first ten hours by myself, then the I have partners to <laughs> the last thirty. So. <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right. Yes. Sir.
0: So, but yeah. good, good. So I'm glad everything's going good in Kentucky, and everything's certainly going good here, and um, we've all been healthy and very, very blessed and very fortunate, man. And but what about uh, we're going to call this podcast? the state of the doghouse, kind of like President Trump would get up and do the state of the union. Yep. The state yep. of the doghouse, Jimmy.
1: Yes, sir. let's, let's talk about the past first. You want <coughs> to, let's just say what we've yeah. done so far for those who haven't listened, let's go over the first one you and I done together. We were at my duck club in Arkansas, Silk Road. Yeah. We we're there in Aubrey. Uh, that was fun. I was just telling what you and I were doing together. You know what, what the whole idea of it was. And then the second one we met and done, at Jim Ronquist's place, yep. which was cool to get to meet in his garage, uh, there at his shop, at his garage, at his house, and him and T.J. Mallet come together, and that was a two-part for the guys that listened. That was fun, you know, having both of those guys on, a ton of duck hunting knowledge, duck call, contest calling. I, I, we got a ton of response out of that. Then our next one, Adam, was...
0: No... Uh, oh, we, Bob what?
1: was second. Oh, uh, oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So Bob was second. Yep. 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 yep, yep. That is right. Bob Owens. I apologize. Did not forget you. Just put you in the wrong order. <laughs> Bob was second. Uh, give give Bob Owens a lot of credit with Duck Dog Chronicles. He was our kind of our mentor end of this deal. He was our second
0: one. Yep.
1: And done a, you know, done a great job. We talked a ton about. Hunting in New York. He's from upstate New York. I've known Bob a long time. That was a fun one. That was a that was a good time. I'm sorry I got those out of order, Bob. I didn't mean to do that.
0: It's all good. It's yes. all good. Then we went to Paul. I think.
1: Mm. Paul Shirley at Southern Prairie Outfitters. Uh, they're in uh, Peace River, Alberta, and also uh, Monroe, Arkansas. Uh, outfitting service. We talked to Paul about duck hunting north and south dog training uh just Paul's an all around outdoorsman paul worked for me several years at, a, at an outfit i managed uh there in arkansas and a good friend trained dogs with me that was a good that was fun it was it was fun talking to paul
0: that's right then we had uh Brooke on
1: Brooke richard Brooke richard from higdon outdoors
0: great guy high energy
1: oh boy he was he, he, Brooke is one of those guys that can do a week long podcast. God bless him, man. He was wonderful.
0: Oh, he was awesome. Uh,
1: he, he has no dead air in the conversation. He no. can keep it moving. Well, I think that one was called, uh, long winded. Yeah.
0: yeah he, we about ready to quit and he pulled it down a gear and just gassed it.
1: He Come went on. right back in. <laughs> yeah, we were like, all right, Brooke, we've kept you long enough. He said, all right, I got questions for you guys, which was fun and tickled. He done it. We, we were okay with that. Just. Uh, just surprised, uh, what that, that went about a, what a minute and, or a, an hour and 50 minutes, 40 minutes. It was like a long them. time.
0: I don't remember, but
1: it, yeah, I know it, Brooke,
0: was, it was, it I was ready to go to bed when we got done.
1: <laughs> yeah. We done that one late in the evening and, and, uh, uh, Brooke had, you know, of course he, he, he developed the power calls, part, uh, part of that, the visual vest or the, uh, oh, the vest from Mo talk he released the, uh, some big news that they're coming out with Momarsh bumpers that we're really excited about. Can't wait to get those. Uh, the camo. The, they're going the to camo. the camo. The, the new uh, uh, fade timber pattern for the Momarsh product. So that was a good one. That, that was really fun. If you haven't heard that, go back and catch Brooke Richard.
0: And I think I never really realized how artistic and how, creative that brooke really was before i got to know him you know it oh once i met i talked to him on the phone a lot then i met him spent some time with him in his office that night that night we was with him and i was like man this guy is really creative and then he's got these decoys that he actually painted and they are like they are sharp you know i was like man this cat right here is very talented
1: well that you know, that's Brooke is one of those guys that's really into what he does and he loves it. You can tell he loves it. He works for, for Higdon. I of course I trained his dog Max. He's got a hunt retriever champion, master hunter I trained. He loves <laughs> hunting his dog. He's hunted all over the country. Grew up hunting and really enjoys what he does. He is a he, that that's fun. When you talk to somebody with that kind of passion who who lives it every day, that was a fun that was a fun uh podcast.
0: It was. And then last week we had Ward Wellborn, and Him. what a, what an incredible story of perseverance and heart, and want to, and just a story to me that every every kid in elementary school around needs to hear. Um, I had somebody tell me that that guy needs to write a book. Ooh. I mean, what an incredible story! But I could go on and on about Ward and, and how much he motivates me and how much I look up to him, even though I'm 15 years older than him or 14 years. Let's give me a little bit of, don't throw me <laughs> up there close, that close to 40, but I'm that much older than him. But I, I will admit that I look up to that young man.
1: But, uh, you know, the first time I ever talked to him is when we done that podcast and, and I, it just blowed my mind, his story and what he's capable of doing, you know, uh, you haven't heard it, you know, double amputee uh, prosthetics on both legs and guides duck hunting has got it in Arkansas. is now in what's he in? Idaho. Idaho. Yeah. He's in Idaho. That's right. He's in Idaho guiding duck hunting, fly fishing, turkey hunting, outdoor enthusiasts. I mean, just a fantastic story. If you haven't heard that, check out Ward Webb's because he he done a, a, an amazing job, telling told a wonderful story. Something that it captivated me talking to him. You know, Everybody
0: to needs it. to hear it, in my in my opinion.
1: And Absolutely.
0: What's crazy? I took some dogs to Greensboro earlier to the vet, and on my way back, I passed him. You know, he lives in Birmingham, he's way down here. I knew where he was going. I called him. I said, "Them turkeys ain't gonna gobble in the morning." And he said, "What do you mean?" I so I just passed <laughs> you, and and my uncle headed south. He said, "Yeah, I'm going to listen. I listened this morning on one property, and going to be another one in the morning." So he's mad at
1: him. <laughs> another guy that doesn't just talk about it, doesn't go on here and talk, actually does it. And, right. and I think that's, you know, not that, that that's a, a big deal, but they're kind of like dog training. A lot of people talk about it, but who actually does it? And he is out there living what he talks. He's out there checking for turkeys day and night, and he he's mad at him. I have to give him credit. That man is searching a turkey, like I want to see a dog search, search a duck in a field.
0: 100%. That's a that's the truth that's the truth so all right man moving forward where we at we have a ton of good guests lined up but we wanted to take today just to talk a little bit just you and i about where we've been and where we're going we got a big announcement today we have our very first sponsorship of the doghouse
1: there we go i'm excited about that we rich jimmy (laughs) We rich. What, what are rich people doing? I, what I wonder is what the poor people is doing at this point. That's what I want to
0: know. I don't know. I don't know what the poor people are doing, Jimmy. But I, you know, it ain't us no more. No, no we're sponsored.
1: That's that's a big deal. For us. I mean.
0: Of course, this we're being very facetious. But, yeah, absolutely. Hey, our first sponsor, um, exclusive car dealership sponsor, Sullivan Motors in Collins, Mississippi has came on to sponsor our podcast, Jim. You
1: know? Oh, that's so awesome, man. So thankful to them and, and and look forward to 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 doing business with them down the road, man. I'm I'm excited. Great people. I've I've been friends with Blake for a long time on Instagram and Facebook and, and know he's a, a outdoorsman and, and his family's into into duck hunting and, and whatnot. So very excited about that. That's awesome.
0: The thing about that family, it starts at the top. It starts with Charlie. Charlie Sullivan is as good a man that walks his planet. He is honest and he cares when he's doing a deal. He cares more about the person than the deal. He's not just trying to make a deal. And this this went down to his boys, Blake and Brandon. They care more about that person than they do selling you a car. So if it's not right, if something's not right, they will make it right. And if you're in the market for a vehicle – whether it be a GM, a Chevrolet, Buick car. I believe they sell Buick. They sell everything GM makes. You need to contact Sullivan Motors. Give Blake and Brandon a call, and they will take good care of you. BS delivers is what Blake says. He'll bring it to your front door. You never have to come over there, and he will drive yours home. And
1: if you
0: ain't got a trade-in, he'll catch a ride back. So – <laughs>
1: sure. um, they uh, uh, they they have traded
0: with several of your buddies over the years. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, TJ Mallett drives a Sullivan Motors. Tyler Patterson drives Sullivan Motors. Kobe Williams and his wife drive Sullivan Motors. Um, I don't know. I, I I joke with them about me being salesman of the year. My brother Deuce has a uh, Sullivan Motors vehicle, and I can't tell you one person that I sent over there that has a negative word to say about them.
1: That's awesome,
0: man. Um, and that right there that's is awesome. just proof in the pudding. So
1: yeah.
0: if you're going to buy a vehicle, um, that's where it needs to be, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, check out Silverwood Motors. And Good I'm not – I'd have told you –
0: Yeah, I'd have told you that before they ever um, came on as a sponsor of the doghouse. So, you know, it ain't got nothing to do with that. That's just no. is what it is.
1: And that's the kind of sponsorship we're looking for, guys. We we, we would deal with it personally.
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I don't, I don't really care to have, a you know, maybe Captain D's or <laughs> McDonald's or something <laughs> like that, Jim.
1: That's right. The Arby's throw a throw a couple hundred bucks at this wouldn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> 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 Zach's the owners, owners? Yeah. Mike
0: Perry yeah. let us down. He sold <laughs> his. Yeah. Well, yeah. You,
1: you can contact us on Instagram or Facebook. We'll What's it be. cost
0: to sponsor? Uh, you know, <laughs> jumbo fish platters for life.
1: That's right. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, we, we may be easy, but we're definitely cheap.
0: Yeah, uh, Jed Lamb just bought a uh, Sullivan Motors truck. Mm-hmm. So Jed thought,
1: Lamb, Southern Southern Prairie Outfitters, That's a yeah. uh, partner to Paul Shirley. That's right. Guest. Absolutely. That'll, later, be on. He'll be on later. And
0: I, I called him today and I said, uh, "Jed, that Chevrolet make your ass laugh when you get out of it. It rides so good." He said, "You bet." <laughs> so you know. <laughs> I I don't know about everybody else, but I'd rather have a good case of the clap than a Ford.
1: <laughs> I, I'm with you. I owned a Ford one time. That's how I come up, become a pretty good mechanic working <laughs> on it. <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, that's
1: what I know about engines is working on a Ford.
0: <laughs> yeah, but all seriousness, all seriousness. Um, thank you to the Sullivan family for believing in us and and what we're doing here. Absolutely. <clears> it means a lot that means a lot to me and jimmy i can speak for jimmy on this it means a lot to us
1: absolutely absolutely
0: so I'm, go ahead,
1: go ahead. Let, let's talk about upcoming what we're doing i know we've kind of touched on that you know things that we've been doing getting these dogs ready i think people want to know that you know yeah where we're at as far as the dog you know as far as getting dogs prepped i know we both got master tests coming up i got some hrc stuff i haven't got ready for that just what, what you've been doing just to get your dogs that's coming in you you, uh, you said you only had a couple of your big dogs back, but the dogs are getting ready
0: to master. What y'all been doing? Right. Of course, we're throwing marks and and running blinds with those guys, of course. But I try to take a couple of days a week and do some sort of drill with them, whether it be a casting drill, a lining drill, a no-no drill, um, some kind of drill that will work on the basics. And the foundation of of what we're trying to be good at, you know be good at those little things and and hopefully the the other stuff will take care of itself, so you know we're focusing a lot on on our foundation still, even though we're at the advanced end of training um and then the rest of those those baby dogs man we're we get a set of drill and we get a set of marks, so if they're doing force of the pile, we'll force the pile in the morning and we'll mark in the afternoon. Um, I got those Jimbo puppies that are in force to the pile and actually got some of them sitting to the pile right now. Um, And some of those guys are just killers, you know. Me and TJ are trying to do this deal on Instagram where we're going to kind of do an update ever so often on his pup, Tiller. So last week we were forced into the pile and we threw a set of marks. And so I don't think I'll get to it this week, but this week I've got him – just started doing sit to the pile. So I actually go away from my force to the pile and teach them to sit to the whistle. Then I come back and then stop them going, going to the pile. I just don't think it's a hundred percent fair to force them to go to that pile and then come in here and force them to sit. It just creates a whole level of confusion and there's enough yes. confusion doing it the way that I do it. So I think it's even more doing it the other way. But anyway, that just goes back to philosophy and what I believe in. But um, so we got those guys that we're, we're doing the power works and marks, and then we got guys that are in force fetch, and Austin has obedience and force fetch guys. And we just, man, we're getting after it. Just, yeah. Just work. Now, when know? you
1: say TJ, TJ's dog, that's uh, Tiller. That's Tiller. That is, that's out of Grand Hunt Retriever Champion Master Hunter Charlie. Yep. That our buddy Tyler Patterson trained for Jimbo.
0: That's right. And then the okay. daddy would be uh Sean Stahl up in Michigan, which is the Rich and tone guy that goose he does the goose hunting for Rich and tone. um okay. His dog FC Carl with a K would be the sire
1: mm, copy that. that. Okay. Yep, and
0: yeah. you know I've got four of those puppies. Tyler has the other four, and they're all kind of right there together. There's some a little more flashier than the others, but they all love to go get the, get ducks. So.
1: They, they they are bird seekers, so they're, they're
0: looking. They're bird looking seekers, for bird. man. They they are really, really, really excited about going and getting ducks. And you know, there might be one a little bit ahead of the other in, in the drill, you know, in the yard work. But when it comes to throwing marks, they all really, really go, and they all mark well, and they really try. So I can yes. live with trying, man.
1: Yeah, it's a I'd dog that don't it.
0: try it. Me, me, and it, we're not gonna get along.
1: Yeah, me, me and uh, Tyler, of course, we pre pre grand trained together every time. And Charlie, she she's just one of those dogs that gets it and gets it right a lot. She she that is a solid, solid female. Tyler done a uh, an amazing job on that dog and really put a good dog together for Jimbo on that one. What a what a fantastic dog.
0: And she is truly talented.
1: Well, oh, bird, that's a bird getter. That's the one, wow. like you said, that's the type of dog that looks up there, and and when it leaves, when Tyler sends her, she is searching a bird. She's she is truly in route looking for a bird.
0: Yeah, her and her and Blue, the dog that I train, Blue are eerily alike. They they are both just incredible markers. They have incredible memory. Um, they can be a little black-hearted on a blind every now and then. But a lot of times you see those great markers that are a little black-hearted on the blind,
1: get a little independent. Get get a, get,
0: mm-hmm. Yep, tell you yeah. where to stick it. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah, that's right.
0: Very good. Very good. Absolutely. Good deal. Good deal. Um, Jim, I, I put on Instagram. Send us a few questions, and we'll try to get to them. So, okay. You want to you want to answer some questions that have been sent in by people? Sure,
1: let's do that.
0: Um This is kind of. Kind of naked. We, we hadn't rehearsed this, so there may be some stumbling and sputtering and and whatnot, but we'll do the best, it, we, best we can, it, won't we?
1: It, as only you and I can do. Very entertaining <laughs> at that point. Yes,
0: sir. All right, let's start with this one. This comes in from our buddy Richard Meisman down in uh, Lower Alabama. You know Richie, don't you? I I do. I know him. But we haven't
1: spent a lot of time together, but I do know Richard. Yep. Yes, sir. Thank you for the question.
0: Yeah, So so Richard says – Got an HRCH Master Hunter who has started popping on blinds. Um, how would you address the popping? Keep in mind, this isn't a young dog. This is a four-year-old Master dog who started popping. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you may go first on
0: that. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> uh,
1: now, older dog. Key to this older dog. He's a Hunt Retriever Champion Master Hunter popping on blinds. I think, first of all, I think the problem is the dog's looking for the answer. He's, he's they, they do that and they can they can get in that habit <clears throat> what i do is back without a cast i think is the key don't they're looking for the answer don't show them the answer back neck back from the point they pop i i won't give them i try not to give them the cast just go on meaning dig and once they dig out of that portion where they popped on if they go the wrong way that's fine I let them take some time, dig that direction, stop them, and then cast. That's my answer to an old – now, like I said, the key to that is an old dog popping. Back, Nick, back, send them out of there. You don't stop. You just keep digging. Right. That's how how I do it. Go ahead, Adam. All right. right. So
0: I'm going to kind of even think into it a little bit more in depth. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've trained it on the same places a lot, I think that could be part of it. You know, do do you want me to go where I went over here last week to this blind, or you've sent me this way? But you remember we did that one last week, so are they popping to get the answer for that? Why are they popping? Trying to figure that out. So I might would even go to a a new a new set of ground somewhere, somewhere bigger, Jimmy. I think we we create popping sometimes by training in fields that confine us. All right, follow me now. So if we go to a field that is, that is not very wide and not very long, when you kick that dog off, if it takes a bad initial line, there's no, white, no time for it to recover because the field's not very long. Just say it's 100 yards over there. That's not very far. So you got to stop the dog early so you can end up back on the blind. I would go to a bigger field, and then I would put that blind out there at 300 and I'd kick it off, yep. all right? Yep. And then that way, if it is offline, you can still let it run 100 yards before you stop it if it don't pop. If it popped, um, man, I may get whipped for saying this, giving this gold nugget away, but I might would even walk out to where it popped, all right, and force it the way that I force it would be put indirect pressure on here, here with a little nick or a little burn, line it back up, back, and send it again from that spot where you're going out you're you're forcing it the way you do back nick back at that spot i might walk out to it and force yeah. it with indirect pressure on here from there and then maybe back up and run that blind again me and tyler talked about this yesterday he don't he don't rerun really blinds and like he ran a blind and the, and the old dog just chopped it the heckin' and back and i i said you're gonna run it again he's like no nah. I was like, well, that's where I would rerun it. So, you know, even though we just different our opinions on that, that's okay. Um, His belief is that we'll go do another one like it another day, and it'll get better, where I would want to just go ahead and create momentum right there and train for momentum and try to let that perfection arrive at a later date. You with me? So I'd probably change locations, and if he did pop, especially if it's popping within a close distance. If it's out there at 150 and it pops, I just cast it and get it going. No pressure. It's all relative to where it pops for me and, and when. And, and I'll yeah. tell you another thing I might do. I might go to that same field, and I may line up bumpers every 10 yards all the way down that tree line. And I get up there, dead bird, back, boom, let it go. And I don't care if it, which way it goes, if it's, if it's on line or not. There's bumpers all up and down that tree line. I let that sucker run. And because it's going to run into a bumper. And as long as it's running, I let it go. Mm. Relatively straight. You know, it can't be hunting or zigzagging or none of that. But if it's going and going with some momentum, there's no way I'd stop it. I let it go. <clears throat> and,
1: and I would totally agree on a sea, season level or below but once that dog has obtained a, a hunt retriever champion master title, not not the way I would do it. If that dog pops, he's going to get pressure,
0: right?
1: To dig. That's that's just the way I do it. I, not you know not being argumentative. Of course, you and I we have some different beliefs, and that's I think that's what people enjoy. You know, yeah. that, that, here's the, way, the different ways to do it. But if he if he's a master hunter and he knows dead bird back means you better start digging, and when you say back, that means you better dig more. If he goes out there at any point on a blind and pops <clears throat> automatic correction and you better start – and back, and you better start digging at that point. That's just the way I do it. I I get what you're saying. Now, if it becomes chronic to the point that i got to fix something, I may go back that far, but not on one. If he's obtained those titles, that dog ought to be – ought to understand. And I'm sure Richard has – to pile and you know if he's made that he is that dog is understands the process Uh, back means you better start digging and again if he digs that's fine if it's not the right direction stop and cast once he gets 40 50 yards into that dig and try to recover
0: but you can't stop him if he if you holler back and he tears out the wrong way you can't stop it (laughs) because then you're reinforcing the popping
1: that that's a that's correct. Then your you correction
0: did nothing but confuse him because you you burn him for popping, and then you let him go ten yards and you stopped him because he's going the wrong way. The dog is can't decipher that in my opinion.
1: So I totally I totally understand, but the dog's got to know when you say back, he's got to dig. Right, in my opinion.
0: Right. So even if he's going the wrong way, you got to let him dig.
1: You got to let him dig. So you to you might... let him dig on back here, and, and if it's you know, and sometimes man, I'll have dogs. 50, 75, 80 yards offline. That's fine. Back dig. You know, you better get to dig it. And sometimes even without a correction, just no cast. I think the the golden rule to uh, popping is don't show them the answer. Just keep digging. And don't correct them if they dig the wrong way. Right. And then help them into the block. Now, I may walk out, but after he made the wrong direction Just tweet, stop after he gets 40 50 60 yards good and then cast <clears> towards <throat> the pile and see if you can get the right cast
0: and and what goes back to how what created this popping are you being too ticky tacky on your blinds are you nitpicking on too much yeah. um and uh, training for me the line to the blind means nothing no, I agree. All right. That, so that if I real. got a blind out there, the, the line to it in training is irrelevant as long as I don't have an object right in front of me that I'm trying to make them go over. The line to it's irrelevant. So absolutely, you know, I don't care if they if they're offline, if they're running and running straight with some momentum, I let them go.
1: No, we're the same on that. And if you start better.
0: picking on them and tiki tacking them, listen, there's dogs that you got to that you have to. What do you call it? Micromanage. I understand that, but on a general rule of thumb, if they're running and they're running straight, that that's telling the dog that it's doing the right thing.
1: Yes, sir. Well, you know where you run into that a lot is when you start running too two technical water blinds. These guys, it's got too many
0: decisions.
1: Too many decisions to have to make when you really get in these hard tech ponds. I've done it. I had a place I could go run that was too hard for most my way too hard for most master dogs and, and i would set up stuff that was too hard for them you know and then i would beat them up for making bad decisions not over but enough that it was hard for them to get there. if you have it i doing that more land lines get them more confident or more straight across the pond lines you know where any decision they make is a good decision. You know, just get yeah. in there. Don't, don't just keep them down the shore or chipping corners all the time.
0: All right. I, I agree 100%. I'm going to touch on one more thing on this, and we'll move on to another question. But yes, I think one more thing that you can do to help that, and I don't sweat my dogs at the line much um, in training. So I think if you're up there trying to get the perfect line, and they're looking a little bit left, and now here. Then they look too much. Now here. Now here, here. And they're up there bobbing their head, trying to get that perfect line. You're creating nervousness, nervousness right there, which is going to carry out into the field. Mm. So we get up there, that. dead bird, good, back. And that dog's got to take off. And as long as he's going straight and he's running, you got to let him enjoy it.
1: No, we agree on that too. Because I, I sometimes wonder, a lot of guys come and train with me as they do you. You know, we're all pros have, you know, hopefully have a lot of guys coming and join their training group. I, <clears throat> I sometimes one of those guys must think I'm crazy. I'll be running a master hunter. And that sucker takes off running, you know, twenty yards off line, and I just let him go. And just run, you know. the blinds, two hundred fifty, three hundred yards out there. I just let him run for a while, you know. And then give him a
0: get that big old just, change of direction out there.
1: Change that direction. That sucker That's got I'm a cast now. Them. Yeah, don't hold them. Don't hold them so tight on line. And and that may, uh, Richard, that may be what's causing you know, maybe what's causing some of your popping issue is just hold them too tight. Just let them run, you know, yeah. get them comfortable. If they've made that, you know, hunt return mess around. I'm not going back to a white, you know, I'm not putting anything out there. I may, I, I may run them on blinds. They have run before, maybe a while back to get them comfortable, but I, I'm i not going to crutch them along much. You know, I want them dead bird back. That means you better, you better get going and go hard that direction. But whatever direction you lived in, just go that, you know, going that way and, I, and
0: i'll work on it from there good good stuff jim all right here we go uh gentleman's jake Jake summerall i think he's over right here in mississippi he trains a lot of boykins so uh, he's gonna be bald like me for too long but <laughs> that's
1: how you lose your hair ain't it? yeah
0: that and living with three girls
1: <laughs> there you go
0: that'll do it um handling on marks while training when to and when not to uh you want me to start All right, so handling on marks. Before I start handling on marks, the dogs I gotta I've gotta know for myself that a dog can get from point A to point B. I gotta know that he's confident in going from the line to that bird or the area which that bird's in. All right, if he's if he's not, and you start handling him, I think you're messing up. He's gotta be able to mark that bird. And not give in to the factors before you start handling it. Now, to me, there's two kind of handles: going straight handles, or handling to a bird. I am not going to handle to a bird in training very, very much, almost, uh, almost zero. Okay, that's why that's why Mr. Dennis gets paid is to help that dog find that bird. So I'm never gonna help a dog find a bird, if at all possible. And the only case I would probably do that is if it was a bridge mark, which a bridge mark being that the bird boy is on one piece of land, he throws across a piece of water, and the bird is on another piece of land. At that point, the bird boy can't help that dog find the bird, because he's gotta hunt another piece of land. That would be a situation where I would handle to the bird if they just couldn't figure that deal out. I would give them as much time as possible I'd sit down and eat my lunch while they were hunting trying to figure it out before I handled them over there sometimes you have to so I think that answers my thoughts on handling to a mark but handling on a mark is a different situation when a dog's avoiding a factor whether that factors being water terrain cover the wind and whatnot so I handle on that stuff a lot as long as I'm confident in the the dog's ability to get from point A to point B, which is from the line to that mark. Does that that make sense?
1: It does. It does. And uh, saying that, today, uh, the 11th of March, uh, my first set of marks today was a triple. I don't throw a lot of triples in, in training. I throw a ton of doubles. I throw a lot of doubles and no off, but today I throw a true triple. And my my long bird, you picked up the two short birds, come back in, looked out a long bird, had had my guy retire or or hide on the middle bird, and it was long and was pushing up a big hill, and a lot of my dogs didn't see, wouldn't come back in and find that, you know, there and there the terrain between here and there was this. Tough as you can get. Everything was pushing somewhere other than that bird. So I got a, a lot of help. So what I would do in that situation was I had the bird boy stand up in his white. Dogs could spot him. And sometimes I'd get that silent throw. You you and I talked about that. Mm-hmm. Just throw another bird. You know, he picked up the two. We throw three birds down. He looked, he picked those two birds up. He came back in and looked at that long. When I say long, two hundred and seventy-five yards. Into a valley where he couldn't see the gunner, and lose sight of
0: guilt. the gun on the side
1: of the gun, yeah. And which is hard, I mean, that's hard for a lot of dogs to understand. So, what I would do is when he'd come back in, if I couldn't get him locked down, I'd have the guy just throw a bird to get him, you know, silently, meaning just toss a bird out to the same spot he throw the bird and send him. Some of those dogs I had to help, I mean, and these are my master dogs, I mean, it was it was a hard setup. sometimes i gotta throw that stuff to get my dogs thinking you know i don't throw it easy all the time i give them therapy i guess is what some people call it therapy type marks but i didn't handle it all on that mark a lot of my dogs the way the wind was blowing and the terrain pushed them left i just let them get left to a point they couldn't recover and have my bird boy help right it, but I don't repeat that I don't uh, a lot of people will repeat marks uh, you know do a triple and then repeat the ones they have trouble with I don't repeat it maybe I should maybe I shouldn't but no. I don't repeat it I'll just I'll I'll throw that scenario again where they are capable of getting it
0: I, I agree I don't think I don't think the dogs learn by doing therapy a lot you, know, you got to challenge them they have to make mistakes so they know that they're developing and getting better but i think you did right there i would have thrown that bird you said it had a hillside to it
1: uh when i say hillside they're literally climbing straight uphill for the last 50 yards of it It, it was tough it was it was no give me any any dog i don't care at what level from master hunter to a field champion would have had to look at that bird to see it and get to it right uh and it was pinched in between two marks outgoing. Each, the left bird was thrown right to left and the and the right bird was thrown left to right. So they were both out. And this bird was in the middle, pinched between the two. They were hidden guns, thrown out of wingers. And then my long gun was thrown out of white because I wanted the whole idea was to pick up the short birds. It was a, I walked up like you would a master test, picked up uh, the right hand, and the left bird was a short bird angled in. The middle bird was that long gun up a hill. The right bird was angled out right. Both of those birds was pretty easy to get. Pick those two birds up. The whole test was that long bird pushed between those two marks, straight up that hill. Run,
0: run do you smell mallard?
1: Run, do you smell mallard type hunt? And it, it was hard, man. We had a 15 to 18 mile an hour wind uh, pushing them, and then the hillside was pushing them. And I would just kick them off. And when they get to a certain point, I'd just radio out to Blake, my bird boy, and say, hey, give my hey, hey, and get them over there.
0: Yeah. And what, right I, what I probably would have done right there, and I had Blake stand up ready, and when that dog was coming up on the crest of that hill, I probably would have had a bird in the air. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Here it comes, and it just drags them on over there. Maybe instead of letting them fall down and then having to give help back up there, especially my younger guys.
1: Yeah. You with That's what. That's what I do with my babies,
0: my right.
1: big dogs. I let them hunt it out. Yep. Some of them found it. Some of mine had to have help. And I would have thrown. Did it's you? It's hard for me sometimes to throw marks hard enough that some of my big dogs can't get them. The right. day I throw one hard enough that even my big dogs had to really look for it.
0: Right. Did you throw it the way that if the dog squared to heel, it would keep them on the right side of the gun?
1: That's correct. Yeah.
0: I, you got to yeah. do that for your puppies, but you know your older dogs, you throw it the other way and. You know they square that hill, and then the wind, and it ends up pushing them on the on the uh, totally offline on the wrong side of the gun, and you get a get a handle in that particular moment. Tweet. That's right. I, don't square. Right. Don't let the wind blow you like a leaf. Fight the wind. Angle out the hillside and do it. Stay out through there.
1: And that's the reason I did get a handle on that dog. I let them all make the top of the hill and make the hunt. If if I handled they they just dug too far or got. Too far. What this scenario would have been when left, which would have been the downwind side of it, where they not
0: recover. Good, good stuff. All right, let's move on. Okay. Uh, this question comes from Matthew Perry. Was TK and Mike's five dollar dog a good one or a bad one?
1: <laughs> Go ahead, Adam. You, you Hell,
0: I, <laughs> I'm gonna say it was a good one. You know, I, I uh, don't know, but I'm gonna say it was a good one.
1: Oh, maybe one of the better ones I've seen run. <laughs> 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 Dk Mike, always. Fun. That's that's, right. that's good it stuff. What it is? That's
0: right. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. Um, let's move on to to another serious question. Um, let's see here. It comes from Curry Hayden. Any advice for a young guy wanting to get into gun dog training? well
1: mm. Boy, that's that's a question. We talk. We actually talked about this one earlier. That's uh. You know, my, my advice, and I get that question a lot, right? you know, I've been blessed, Adam's been blessed, we're both professional dog trainers, and, have, and we love it, has, and we love it, we love it, I, I do, I love everything about it, every aspect, you know, uh, Adam and I still both gotta go feeding their dogs when we're done with this this evening, and we've been going since early this morning, and uh, trained all day, and come in, done podcasts and go back out to work with dogs, and take care of them, and love them, my suggestion would be go to work for a pro somebody who is a true pro trainer that's got a truckload of dogs and see what that entails even you know people say gun dog trainer you know what does that mean if you're going to train dogs and take people's money for training their dogs you need you need to understand how the husbandry side of taking care of dogs the care you know I over the years i've had four different interns or um, assistant trainers that's worked for me that's gone on to be full-time pro dog trainers uh, and proud of all of them and what they've done um, but people don't understand you know the part of you know what we do what you see on the weekend versus what we do all week and that may be something that you know if you catch on with a field trial guy throw a birds for him or, or a hunt, even a hunt test pro you know, working young dogs and learning the steps. I think that's the, the really the best way, without having to beat your head against the wall and try to figure all these steps out. It's town with somebody that will pay you a little. <laughs> uh, it's not a money making racket, and, and, and it's hard to get into upper management in that position. But <laughs> you know, town with somebody that knows actually has success, uh, has made master hunters made field champions made grand champions made whatever uh, master national dogs and runs a crew and does this a little time with them as you know and, and tell them what you're doing you might you may have to get away from home you know a lot of local guys may not want to show you maybe somebody who is three states away that'll give you that information everybody's interested to in talk about what they do but like i say i've had four different ones over the last 15 years it's worked for me that has gone on to make good pros you know make dog guys that made master hunters and grand champions and national dogs and everything else. And I, I think that's the key is is catching on with someone who knows what they're doing. And that's the easiest way. Now there's other ways, but that is the easiest way. Go ahead Adam.
0: I'll keep it short and simple. Um I'd say go to school, get you a job, making enough money so you can pull, pay some poor sucker like me and Jimmy to do it.
1: Even even better. <laughs> <laughs> or
0: if you're dead set on it. I go to work for somebody who does it right. And when yeah. I say do it right, I'm not talking about training. Go to work for somebody that's a good person, that don't lie to people to take their money, that actually works and works hard at it and does a good job and does an honest job at this. And then the dog training part will come. You're not going to get rich. Don't. I don't think you are. Some some There's some dog trainers out there that do better than us. But go work for somebody that's a good man, that will that will make you a better person, and the dog training part will come. That's my two cents.
1: Adam, I, seconds. I, I want to tell you, a guy told me one time he come and was hanging out with just a client, you know, and wanted to spend a couple of days with me. At the end of about three days, maybe four, he was here. And he said, "Jimmy." This is what I call a labor of love. He said, I know what you charge me. He said, it ain't near enough for what you do every day. Yeah. I said, well, man, I, we do enjoy it. We do. We're, like I say, it's a blessing. I used to say we're lucky, but my preacher told me, he said, Jimmy, don't say lucky. You're blessed. And I, and I, I believe that. We're yeah. truly blessed to get to do what we do. Uh, it's not a game of get rich quick. It's, it's not a game of dollars and cents. It's a game of enjoy what you do. You can make a living doing it if if you get in the right spot and you can feel good and lay down and go to sleep at night. That's an important part of this game that a lot of people miss. I don't want to say a lot of people, but some people may miss.
0: Be good to people. Don't lie to people to take their money and treat people right. I think you'll be fine. Yes. All right. How about this one? Uh, Mr. Chris Hyde here comes in. Um, The best way to teach line manners, like at the hunt test atmosphere training type stuff.
1: Hmm. You want,
0: me, you want to do that or you want I'll
1: start
0: this one. Go ahead. Chris, if you came and watched my puppies, you would think that there's no way in heck that these dogs are ever going to sit at a hunt test at 10, 11, 12 months old, all right? And then over time, I steady them. I don't just come out one day and be like, you know what, Fido? You're going to sit here today, come hell or high water. That's not how I do it. I do it over time. And for the most part, my dogs end up having good line manners at the hunt test because you create a standard over time. You just don't come out and beat it into them. Now, Jimmy and I don't necessarily worry about creating that hunt test atmosphere anymore. Like when I had one or two dogs, I would want to train with other people and get the atmosphere so my dog would come up and I could address – lie manners at that point our dogs kind of they kind of sniff that deal out at this point don't they jimmy yes sir. Yeah. so mm-hmm. i say i say develop a standard and that that standard be very high in training and that way if at the hunt test that standard comes down just a hair it's still really good yeah on my obedience yeah. Yep. don't run them until they're ready is the number one thing you know go run yep. your 15 month old master and, you know you'll have your good gun dog about three yeah
1: yeah well adam i you and i totally agree on that <clears throat> steadying too early is absolutely the wrong thing to do i've, I've had dogs come in here at seven months old that would set like a statue and the first thing i got to teach those dogs to do is break I want them searching that bird out there. You know, those are the dogs sometimes that'll quit on you or, or, or get beat down in training from no. just training without any pressure. They'll get tired of it. <laughs> Got one thing it's on my, their mind
0: is going to go getting ahead. that bird, not sitting. That, where did that bird fall? And how fast can I get to that point and get that bird and get back?
1: That I totally agree. If, mm. if the basics come on here, if I do the basics from the beginning to the end, <clears throat> the whole idea uh, of that dog is it understands it gets the bird by sitting still. Yeah. The only way, the only way. And that is so hard for a guy with one dog to throw a monster set up. He's excited about seeing if his dog can do. The dog creeps. He calls it back and goes ahead and runs it. I think that is where the biggest mistake is made where at <clears throat> the advantage that adam and i have where we have a couple of bird boys a piece out there we throw that setup up that dog creeps horn no here y'all pick them up put that dog back on the truck and get another dog we start here at at my place we will start steady the dog only after forcing the pile truly lock down on a bird i take them all the way through so you're talking three months into training before I totally lock that dog down. It's sometimes longer than that. If it's, that dog is, that It is longer it, than just, that here. Yeah. Sometimes if those dogs don't have a, a, a just a tremendous drive, like just dying to get that bird, it may be four or five months in, maybe before we run our first season test, you know, sit into six months of training mark before I really lock them down because it's way more important for that dog to want that bird. What I have learned by staying too early, you make nervousness and creeping. I've had numerous people over the last 10 years ask me, Jimmy, how do you get your dog set so still? And, and I've had a few guys say, man, you beat them to death. I'm like, no, 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 it don't have nothing to do with that. It's not, it's not direct pressure. It's not, it's not heel sticking them. It don't have nothing to do with that. It has to do. That dog totally understands that it will never retrieve a bird if it moves while the birds are coming out that is the only way to steady a dog in my opinion
0: yeah all right all right same guy different question when mm-hmm. looking for a pup does a sigh or down i think that's how you say it down dame whatever mean more damn. or yep. equal yep uh
1: i'll catch that one first i i, don't, I have bought puppies over the years uh, several of them, train, sale, train, keep, train, a breed. I'm not a big breeder. Uh, I am way more interested in what that dam has done most of the time than I have the sire. Uh, the stud dog, obviously that's what sells. You breed to NASC FC, whatever that means to the general public. That means a lot to what I want, what I truly want in my dog. I think your characteristics of, of that dog comes from the dam, meaning its natural traits, its behavioral stuff in the kennel, on the truck, the ability to to mark. All a lot of that stuff comes from the dam side. I'm way more interested in what the dam has done than I am. I'm gonna say seventy-five twenty-five dam to sire. Yeah, I
0: don't know. I don't know a number. Um. I'm gonna say that the bitch carries a lot of that, just like you did, and I, I think you're gonna see from from both top and bottom. There's no doubt about it. But sure, I'm I don't I haven't done a ton of breeding in the past, and I'm fixing to start doing more. I actually, ha- here's a plug: I have a litter coming at the end of April out of Blue and a dog named Katie. And I would not breed a a do a breeding here, whether it be the the female or the male that I wouldn't want to train the dogs out of is what gonna be my theory um so I think I'm gonna breed strong bitches to a strong male you know if 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 blues can be a little black hearted, I'm not gonna breed him to Charlie that's a little black hearted like Tyler's dog Charlie. I'm yeah. gonna breed him with Katie, which runs great blind, she tries hard, she's very you know compliant. She's a very good marker, but Blue is an elite marker. I'm going to try to double up on marking and then on their blinds. I'm going to try to either they're going, both going to be very good or if one of them has a negative, I'm going to try to offset it with the other one, basically. Yeah. Um that's kind of my uh, thoughts on on breeding, no. you know, but no. I'm not Mary Halley or 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 Johnny Brochek or none of those guys that have been doing it for 50 years either. No,
1: so. I, I agree. You know, like like you said, a little plug, I got uh, my grand champion with a Master National plate B. Uh, I'm breeding her to uh, Jack Seaside's Pompano Jack, still champion. Yeah. Direct son out of Cosmo B is a little laid back, man. She she goes and gets him obviously. She's passed three grams on twos, you know. She's she's a marker, but I need a little more push in those pups. So I'm breeding her to Jack out of Cosmo to give a little more push. Jack is laid back. He's easy to run, but those are the type of things I look at, you know, like my B dog. I like the way she, she hunts great. She sits in the blind. She, you never know. She's there until the birds hit the ground. And you're like, Oh, I'm on because Oh yeah. Be, you know, that's the type of dog I want to hunt with. So that's what I breed. So, right. uh, and running. So I, I agree completely. I think, I think you need to, the mixture of the two definitely helps. I, you know, you and I differ. I like anything out of hammer and Hank. I've had great. Luck with those dogs. sure. You know, you're, you're not the biggest fan of some of the hammer and hank pups i just you
0: know? i'm not crazy about them around the water I don't no, know. and a couple and i've had have just man Ooh. it's been hard to get to just go straight and i've got one that's a hammer and hank granddaughter right now and the first of february was awful around the water but man she's been piling right in there and been very nice in the water the last couple of weeks so yeah things and- gonna iron out you know
1: Yeah. And and that's what I'm saying. So you get, you give a little and take a little, but they're easy to handle or they run hard. They search birds like what we're looking for. You may have to work a little on this. You may have to work a little on that. So as far as what I look at, definitely on my side, the dam means as much or more than the mail. I I think it's 70, 30, 75, 25, damn the mail, in my opinion.
0: Cool. I think you just, I think you need to buy. A puppy out of two good dogs and hope for the best. So yeah,
1: absolutely. All right, let's move
0: on. We got we got three questions left. We're at an hour. Let's knock them out, man, real quick. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. All right. This yep. comes from Andrew Hamlin. Um, he's going to get one of the blue and Katie pups. By the way, oh. talk, talk about raising a gun dog in an apartment. What to expect and tips on crate training a new pup. You want me to start? Um, I'll go. I'll go first on this one. All right. Tips on crate training is, you know, before you put it to bed tonight, don't let it have a ton of water. Be if you want to be really good at it, be where you can hear him, and that's going to require some little bit of sleepless nights at first. Be where you can hear him so you can get up and let him out. Teach him to pee and doo doo in the grass as early as possible, and I think that will over time. That will get it done as far as crate training. Yep. And then as far as raising a, a raising a gay gun dog in an apartment, I'm going to teach that dog that it's okay to be in his crate. First of all. And then I'm going to teach him how to some people say place, I say kennel. Get on a bed, kennel on a bed and stay there. Um and start doing some obedience like that early on, with using treats more likely. Positive reinforcement no no negativity at that age all momentum all positive you know get him out get him in the water even though you're in an apartment get him out find you a pond get him in the pond get him in tall grass get him around kids get him around anything you can imagine make loud noises when he eats I don't think raising a dog in an apartment should set you back none whatsoever jimmy quickly what you got
1: yep real quick Same, we're the same on that I, yeah socialization socialization a hundred percent key to everything you and i do uh i think we agree on that i speak for both of us when those puppies come and they've seen everything done everything a hundred percent raising the I've trained them from raising an apartment to raising a barn it doesn't matter as long as they're they're out look tractor supply lows there's a ton of play pet Petco. There's a ton of places you can take that dog and just make the loop. Let people play with him. Let him be around. Don't let anything be a surprise to the dog. Interaction with other dogs, uh, different places. Great <clears throat> yeah. Tra- training, 100%. You control what goes in, you control what goes out. Timing is the key. Yeah. If you take him out the last time at ten thirty at night, put him up, no water, out the next morning, as soon as he eats, take him out, teach him to go on the grass. <coughs> you know, that that's a key. A lot of people, I don't know how they miss that. They'll learn to go the gravel. They'll learn to go on blacktop. They'll learn to go on concrete. Teach them to go in the grass if that's the place. Reward them. That's fine. Treats are fine. Back in the kennel. Uh, teach them to be a good kennel dog. If you're going to put them in pro training or you're going to do it yourself, you want a dog you can travel with and be around. Go ahead.
0: No, you nailed it. You nailed it. So I, as a pro trainer, I'd rather have that dog that was raised right in that apartment than a dog that was raised in the kennel and not raised right. So moving 100%. on. Moving on. This one comes from Scott Foster. A dog picked up a little habit, let's add bad habit, of whining. Do I need to worry? And if so, how do I stop it? Go, uh, you go, Jimmy. Jeez, I, I don't, I don't have nothing man. positive to say. So <laughs> you better go.
1: That is the one thing that everybody in the world does not want to face. Me, Adam. I don't care who you are. Uh, I'll take. First of all, a Labrador Retriever has no reason to ever vocalize. Period. The If that has started, you got to you, 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 a, have to address it immediately. Sooner absolutely better than later i've had dogs that have been professionally or amateurly trained that got to the point so bad of vocalization that they couldn't pass a test couldn't even hunt with man if you let it get to that point it just becomes just about i'm not gonna say impossible because i fixed a few of them but monotonous stop it meaning No retrieves with any vocalization, just like steady. If that dog whines, if it even breathes hard, stop it. Don't let it take away anything that it's doing to get that and make sure it's not positive reinforcement to whining. I think that is the key. Uh, Second of all, there's correction for it. I had an old dog I hunted with years ago. I would correct with a collar. I'm not saying that's necessary. now. He was finished to the point of finished. I would, if he started whining, I'd trick with the collar. He started yawning to prevent himself from whining. He would look at me and yawn when he wanted to whine. I would get so hard with him on the collar. Now that's late, way late training. That dog was totally finished, 100% done, hunted a ton, guided with him for seven or eight years. You got to address it sooner than later. Go ahead, Adam.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm going to just pile in with you on that. It's it's gonna be extremely hard to fix if, if if it's even fixable. All right, I'm not one to come in here as Debbie Downer or, or any of that. And if and if anybody's listening to this and they know somebody that has the answer to this, please enlighten me. I am <laughs> and, humble and enough and to accept that answer because I'd love to have it right now. I'd pay good money for the answer to that question right now. But I don't think there is one. I don't think there's a good way to fix it. Yeah. I would, to try to limit it. If you have a buddy that his dog breaks bad. Okay. I would try to limit hunting with that dog. If your dog's steady and his breaks, I would say, listen, bud, can you take your dog today? And I take my dog tomorrow because more likely you're not going to kill enough ducks for two dogs anyway. And second of all, If your dog has to sit and watch that dog get duck after duck after duck, that's going to make that whining and that anxiety even worse. So I would hunt that dog by itself. Uh, The nicking stuff works some. It may help limit it. I think at this point in time, your goal is to limit it and not let it worsen. So sorry, I was not very – positive on my response on that one Jim so
1: well that, that's one of those deals man it, it's, it's like gun chai you know we're not going to get off in a whole rabbit hole on that deal but there's some things in a dog if you let it develop into a problem you, you've about gone too far like I had a female we bred her name was T a guy bought her bred her to a super nice male dog both of them fantastic dogs T had an extremely bad problem with vocalization <clears throat> starting those pups from an early age i had five or six out of a seven dog litter i knew right away we had an issue three of the four that i five that i had <clears throat> started off at a young age vocal knowing that early i stopped it and the way i stopped it was if the dog vocalized when well, any birds coming out, usually a correction with a stick, sit, no, back on the truck. Until that dog was sit and be quiet, it just never got another bird. Yeah. That's hard. That, that's hard for an amateur. And not, you know, not picking on the amateur. I, man, I love training with amateurs. They do a fantastic job. Sometimes they do better than we do. They've got one dog to do it. They can get all the little quirks fixed out. But that's one of the ones that you got to really commit to and say this is it. You're never getting another bird as long as you live if you ever say a peep, even to the point of hunting. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you've got that, you're just going to have to address it early as you can, and don't let it let it become an issue.
0: Yeah. Yep. All right. One more question, Jim. This comes from comes from Blake Sullivan, and it's it's directed oh, at it's-, it's directed at me and Blake is um, Mr. Charlie Sullivan Motors. Um, son, he's got a dog named Chief that's a master hunter and has a plate as a two-year-old, and really nice dog. And he says, "When are you gonna find us a bad bee to breed Chief to?" <laughs> so, um, Blake, I would yeah. love, I would love to have a kennel full of Chief puppies. Um, I, but you know, to address the breeding part, I think you got to have your 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 hips, your elbows, EIC, and all that stuff taken care of before you breed them. So yep. we're not putting any of that bad stuff back into. No, we don't want bad hips and bad elbows back into our our genes. Um, yep. Yep. EIC carrier. As long as you breed it to a clear dog, I'm all for it. Yeah. I you know some has people Blake want to go,
1: do- has he had his dog checked. Yep.
0: No, he's going to. Okay.
1: Um, yeah.
0: But I think to to get a dog, if you want a a stud dog, that dog's got to be seen. If you if you're going to breed it a lot it's got to be running. It's got to be every time Adam goes, every time Jimmy goes, every time Tyler goes to the hunt test, that dog's got to be running. People have got to see that dog and want to breed to that dog. I think when it comes to a point in time where that dog's career is over and he quits running, I think his breedings will fall off at a dramatic rate. Just my opinion.
1: Totally agree. I've got stud dogs that run out of here. I've got a Couple of chocolates, a couple of yellows, a black, and as long as they're running, people are shooting, people are breeding to them, and I think that's the key. I think definitely the key to breeding your dog is having him out there and having him seen. You know, <laughs> if if it's a money game and a stud dog, it's probably a bad game you're playing. You know, if you want to make nice dogs, have a dog you've got that's held has all the right uh, genetics, uh, traits with hips and elbows and the ICCnm and whatnot bred nice absolutely breeding that's what we're wanting adam and i both are looking for those dogs but you you got to keep them out there and and the dogs we're breeding to are dogs we see run you know uh, like that uh that uh, seaside's pompano jack that i'm breeding my grand champion to send him run you know that's stream i want to breed to him i know that that's a bad dog you know he wants to go get him you know he's a, he's a bird seeker that's what I'm looking for and as long as those dogs are as long as you keep your dog running people want to breed to him. If you're looking to make a living breeding your stud dog, a few people have, but not very many.
0: Right. Yeah. I agree. So, we're well, good. I enjoyed that, Jim. That was uh that was good. Good to talk a little dog training. We hadn't done a ton of that on the dog house and we're going to do some more of that over the summer and we're going to talk to some more hunting guys and we're going to have a series in the summertime that we're going to address duck hunting habitat with some guys that mm-hmm. I've talked to that are going to come on and 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 that manage some very nice properties that kill a lot of ducks. So we're going to do some um, some of that, and we're going to have some more hunting guys on, some turkey hunting guys, and I'm looking forward to the future of what we got going here. And I hope everybody enjoys it as much as me and Jimmy. Um,
1: Absolutely. If what, if, if mean- they do,
0: boy, we we headed down the right path because it was fun
1: and that that's the whole reason for us doing that. We're glad to have uh solar motors on as a sponsor, but our main reason to do this is to have fun and enjoy the outdoors and what we get to do for a living and 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 truly appreciate everybody listening
0: We really do really really do so yes, Jim, i'm off um I'm off in the morning to uh sylvania georgia down to stephen Durance's to um judge at s r s
1: Yes, sir. Well, have, have fun with that. I am off. Uh, I'm off. I'm working tomorrow, Friday morning, leaving out, uh, headed for uh, Bogota, uh Wildlife Management Area in northwest Tennessee to judge West Tennessee. Me and Chris Ballard, the guy down close to you, will be judging on Saturday. And I think me and Leroy Mason judging Sunday on the finish flight. So Go look ahead. forward to seeing everybody down there and uh, and uh, hope everybody has a good good hunt test spring and uh if y'all have any questions at all for adam or I, you know you can reach us at uh on our instagram or uh facebook page mine is mallard run kennels like go ahead adam
0: no that's it man give us a buzz
1: yeah.
0: if i can ever yeah. help you yeah, give me a call do the best i can
1: absolutely Hi. Right. Yep. Adam enjoyed it as always, buddy. Let's let's call it a day and uh go feed and take care of dogs and we'll see you next week.
0: Come on. See you.